despite how hard this time is. There will be moments years from now that we look back on from the past couple years that we'll miss, that we'll yearn for. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I'm a writer and a writing coach who helps women develop and publish their memoirs and essays. But most importantly, I'm a human who's always trying to figure out what my soul is saying. Each week, I'll share stories and tips of healing, hope, and following my heart so that you'll feel inspired to follow yours. Hi, friends. So today I want to recognize you, strong women in the world. And some of you are celebrating Mother's Day. Some of you are celebrating your journey as a mother or might be celebrating your mother. And also I know that for many people, it's a complicated day or a day of loss, a day of grief. And so I wanted to dedicate today to celebrating you, a strong woman, to celebrating the way that you mother yourself and that you take care of yourself. And I also wanted to make a quick announcement too. If you're thinking about ways to give yourself some time, some soul nourishment, some time dedicated to your creativity, we only have a couple of spots left in our August Camden, Maine Women's Writer Retreat. And it is going to be such an incredible five days. First of all, the house that we rented for it is on the ocean. It has its own private beach. We will be doing journaling, meditating, yoga nidra, time in nature, lots of free time to rest or explore or write. There will be time to go into town. Camden, Maine is adorable if you've never been. Just imagine the cutest, most adorable seaside port town with shops and restaurants and coffee shops and boats everywhere in the marina. And it is just going to be an incredible time. But it's time for you, for your soul, for your creativity. So if you've been wanting to give yourself or an amazing woman in your life a gift, now's the time to think about if you might want to do that retreat since spots are filling up really fast. So you can find out more at nadinekennyjohnstone.com slash retreats. And so today I wanted to talk about an essay that I'm going to read. And I want to talk about in terms of my own mothering journey to our son, Gio, just, you know, things that I've been thinking about lately. So Gio will be nine in a couple of weeks, which I can't even believe that I'm saying. He is only a few inches shorter than me now. And the other day when we were at this store, he asked if we could buy him hair gel. And it was one of those moments I was standing in the middle of the aisle and I just kind of paused and I tried not to show on my face that my heart was <laughs> breaking a little bit because <laughs> in my mind, it just marked this kind of transition 
into like pre-adolescent times and no longer is he my little toddler boy. He is going to be a nine-year-old and there are lots of transitions happening. I can see his interests changing. The other day I asked him if he wanted to go to touch a truck, which is or used to be one of his favorite activities where all of these construction vehicles and emergency vehicles park in a big parking lot and open up their doors and they allow all the kids to climb in and see the equipment and pretend to drive the trucks and the kids love it. And I asked Gio the other day if he wanted to go to touch a truck this year and he was like, no, I'm not into that anymore. And again, I was like, oh no, (laughs) oh my boy, our boy is growing up and he is now into Legos and the Avengers and he reads comics and graphic novels and he is just changing his interest. And I'm still trying to cling on to those moments of like cuddly, cute boyness where He would snuggle up to his mama and I'm trying to hold on. And I was so happy, therefore, the other night when we had an impromptu dance party and he, without any embarrassment, came over and grabbed my hands and started dancing with me. So sometimes after dinner, after we say what we're grateful for, Jamie, who is our resident DJ, will just turn on the tunes and Gio and I, without even thinking, will just get up and dance. And Gio isn't self-conscious yet and he loves to dance together. And Paul Simon's Love Me Like a Rock came on, which is the song that Jamie and his mom danced to at our wedding. And Gio just grabbed my hands and we started dancing and he twirled me and I twirled him and it made my heart so full. And if you're ever curious about these little highlight moments from ordinary life, I post pictures from time to time about it on Instagram and I... I, posted a picture from that impromptu dance party. Jamie snuck a picture while we were dancing. It was just so cute because it captured the happiness of the moment. And Gio didn't realize it, but inside I was just going, hold on to this. I want to press pause. I want to just like hold this moment in my heart because there may be a time when he's a teenager that he's too embarrassed to dance with his mother or he's too grown up to dance with his mama and that time is not yet so I'm gonna hold on so in essence the essay that I'm about to read talks about that very topic it talks about wanting to press pause in a way and just hold on to the moment so I hope that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through in your life, that you might identify with just this feeling of wanting to press pause on a memory and on a moment. And I do find that when I write about a memory or moment, it does prolong it in my brain and in my heart. And this is one of those moments. I actually wrote it a good maybe five years ago. And yet it stays with me all the time. And so I brought it back onto my screen and I wanted to share it with you. It's called Again. I was in San Miguel, Mexico, presenting at a writing workshop 
when I walked down the crowded cobblestone street toward the hotel conference center and something caught my eye. It wasn't the people riding ATVs in the streets or the donkey in the public garden. It was a mother carrying her child, not in a sling or stroller, but in her very own arms. Behind her, another mother carried her toddler. These women traversed the steep street and I waited for them to shift, to struggle, but they toted those children like extensions of themselves. As the rest of San Miguel streamed past me, I stood in the middle of the sidewalk, wondering what was halting me. Maybe it was jealousy, that familiar envy I had known as Jamie and I had tried unsuccessfully for two years to have a child. During that time, I had injected hormone shots and wailed over failed IVF cycles while every other woman in the world seemed to sport a baby bump. But as I watched the mothers, I knew that this feeling was different. After all, Jamie and I had finally conceived Gio, and he was a happy, healthy two-and-a-half-year-old. I realized that back home, I had never seen a mother navigate the neighborhood with a newborn in her arms. Sure, I had seen plenty of babies being transported in all-terrain strollers and baby backpacks. But usually, when women carried their swaddled children in their arms, it was at home while nursing and rocking them. The intimacy was behind closed doors, but in San Miguel, it was on full display in a way that made my heart ache. During Gio's infancy, I had carried him like a football, his belly resting on my forearm. In that position, he didn't cry. In that position, he fell asleep, content. He was always attached to me, nursing from me, rocking in my lap. At night, I sat in the glider under the skylight in his tiny nursery, and I sang, You are my sunshine, over and over again, until his eyes grew heavy. As the months passed, other things grew heavy too. His chunky limbs and my mood, weighed down by the responsibility of too many chores and too little time. As a means of efficiency, I bought a baby Bjorn so I could be hands-free and do dishes while bouncing Gio to sleep. Then, just after his first birthday, we moved to Chicago. Gio learned to walk, but it took him an eternity to descend the stairs of our third-floor apartment in Ravenswood. So to save time, I carried him. Every morning, as we were rush, rush, rushing, I struggled down the steps with my work bag on one arm and Gio in the other. Usually, I would strain to keep him on my hip, and I'd say, You're heavy, buddy. I said it so much that one day, when we approached the landing, Gio said, Heavy. I stopped in the middle of the stairwell. His tone had reflected the same frustration I used when I said, You're heavy as if he were a burden, something unwieldy to carry. The stairs were a burden, the pace of life was a burden, but he, my beautiful, beloved son, was not a burden. I never wanted him to think that. I stopped saying heavy when I carried him. Gio learned to say other things, including song requests. Bus meant that I should sing Wheels on the Bus, 
and sunshine meant that I should sing, You Are My Sunshine. For a couple of months, when I finished a song, Gio would clap his hands and say, Again! But then he started cutting me off mid-chorus and asking for another tune. Eventually, when I headed to his glider for nighttime cuddles and lullabies, he said, Bed! and pointed to his crib. This cut our nighttime routine by 30 minutes, allowing me a half hour to myself, an extravagance that hadn't existed since his birth, and some nights I relished in the ease, the luxury of checking emails or reading a book. But then there I was, on my own, at a writer's conference in San Miguel, seeing mothers carrying their children everywhere, and I was desperate to embrace Gio, to hold on to this little boy's stage where he still desired my affection. Maybe the women carried their children because the stone streets weren't stroller friendly. There was also the very complicated fact of privilege, that so many women don't have access to an expensive stroller, to jobs, to paid childcare. But this moment opened my eyes to the very gift awaiting me back home, carrying a child who would, too soon, be able to sprint up and down the hills on his own. Back home in Chicago after the trip, when it was time for Gio to go to bed, I carried him into his room. And when he pointed to his crib, I said, let's sit for a while. He sunk into the glider and I cradled him. I relished in it, stamped it in my mind, his head nuzzled into my neck, his fuzzy hair under my chin, his sweet, soapy smell. His body was double the length of my arm and he was close to 30 pounds, but still, in that moment, he felt light. I sang him sunshine, and maybe he could feel my lightness too, because he let me sing the whole song. And when I was done, he said, again. So friends, yeah, I like to think about the moments that we pause and we stamp into our memory. And maybe there are some right now that you're wanting to stamp into your memory. A few months ago, when Jamie and I went out for a date night one night, we were talking and we were just talking about how hard life has been, especially in the last couple of years, and how things that we had planned haven't worked out. And I said to him, yeah, but think about all of the other hard times in our life that in the moment we were really struggling but now we look back on and we want those moments back. We want to stamp them into our hearts. And we kind of did this time travel where we went back in time over the last decade. And we just kind of talked about what was hard during that time, but what we miss during that time. And for every single time, even the hardest times in our life, we had something that we missed that we wanted to stamp into our heart and hold on to. And I said to Jamie, you know, despite how hard this time is, there will be moments years from now that we look back on from this year, 
from the past couple of years that we'll miss, that we'll yearn for. And so by writing them or talking about them or thinking about them, to me, it's a way of stamping them into our hearts so that we can almost relive them so that we can feel the, the joy or the contentment that comes from them and not rush, rush, rush past them. So let me guide you through just a short little reflective meditation where we can stamp some of those really important memories into our hearts. All right. So wherever you are, if you're walking, maybe just walk slower and do this with me. If you're unloading dishes, trying to see these moments in your mind, if you can sit and meditate, maybe get yourself cozy. And let's do this together. Let's bring our attention to ourselves right now. Whether you can flutter your eyes closed or you can slow yourself down a bit. Begin to notice your breath. And remember that always we will be rush, rush, rushing. Always we will be chase, chase, chasing. There's plenty of time for that. And the thing about that is that as soon as we get wherever we wanted to go, we just chase the next thing. So what if we took a couple of minutes instead to pause, to stamp a moment into our memory and into our hearts. I like to imagine that if my heart were a gallery of precious moments from my life, oh, how full it would be. And I like to think about the photos that would be framed in that gallery, the moments captured. What would the moments be for you that would create the gallery in your own heart? Isn't it interesting that whatever would be captured there, framed, stamped, molded into sculpture, captured in some way, it likely wouldn't be the moments of chase or rush, would it? So I want you to think about what are the memories from your recent past that you wish to commemorate in some ways? That you wish to honor or recognize? That you wish to kind of frame in your very own heart 
see them and notice what you're doing in these different moments. An impromptu dance party, a moment of snuggling with a loved one, an unexpected moment of laughter with a friend. What are the memories that make up your heart? And I want you to think about right now. And despite how hard things are, what is a moment that you want to capture like flowers pressed in a book? What is a moment that you know years from now you will miss? A moment that you want to hold on to. A time of limitless love. Look at this moment. Where are you? What are your surroundings? Maybe even re-experience it. Happiness experts talk about this all the time, that when we remember our joyful moments, it's like experiencing the happiness twice, all over again. So in this moment that you want to capture, where are you? What are the sounds and smells of this place? What is the season, the time of day? Notice the quality of light. It's all working together, creating a mood, an environment, an atmosphere. And notice who you're with, who's there. And what do they look like in this moment? What is a facial expression you want to capture? What are the things that you notice about them that you love so much? Freckles on the bridge of a nose laugh lines when you look at their faces what speaks to your heart and then see what you're doing in the moment what are you saying how are you gesturing What's happening that's making your heart so full? How are you all feeling in this moment? What is it you wish to capture? Imagine you could bottle this up. 
put it in a perfume canter. And later on, when you're feeling blue, you can take a dab and add it to your wrist or your neck and breathe it in. A reminder of a moment of ease or joy, of love, connection. What do you most want to remember about this moment? And see if you can do it now. Press it against your heart. Stamp it into the walls of your four chambers. Let it live there so you can keep coming back to it again and again and again. When you're ready, you can take one more deep breath. And you can slowly come back to the present Lettering your eyes open, noticing your surroundings. I hope that you enjoyed this opportunity to capture a moment of memory and hold it in your heart. Thank you for being an important part of my heart. And thank you to Michelle Rado for doing this heart work as my producer. Remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week.